I left my failing business that resulted in thousands of dollars of debt and almost killed my passion for entrepreneurship to set out on a journey to build a business I could enjoy doing the rest of my life. I went all in to learn a new skill and found myself in the world of funnel marketing. Now I get to talk to entrepreneurs who are creating mass movements and empowering others. I don't know how I'll do it yet, but I know I want to join them. Follow me on my journey as I speak with top entrepreneurs to learn the strategies they are using to build their movements and grow their businesses. I'm your host, Susan Leonardson, and this is Amplify Your Impact. Hey, Lori, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm great. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Susan. I'm so excited to talk to you because we've gone through this process of launching our podcasts together. And um, you actually are really good at telling stories with the purpose of using them to sell. Um, But you also have a lot of experience before you even got into that part of your business. And I want to let the listeners know like who you are. So would you mind telling us um, what you do, where you came from, like how, how did you get started? I know you do other things besides entrepreneur story selling type stuff. So what, what is yeah. it that you do? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, someone asked me just the other night, like, so, you know, tell me what you do. I'm like, oh my gosh, pick a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what about today? <laughs> so um, I really like variety. I've always loved variety. And um, I started out loving stories. I spent my whole entire childhood reading books constantly. I was constantly in a book, you know, walking with books, going to the library. I read everything in the, you know, second grade on the bookshelf. I was like, can you, could you get me some more books? (laughs) So I have been in love with stories, you know, for, since the beginning of time, my time. And, um, it wasn't until just in the last few years that I realized that um, stories are what really compels people to buy. The only reason that people buy anything is because they feel like it. And stories really tap into our emotions and connect us, um, you know, with the brand or the person that, you know, is selling the product or whatever. So um, I'm one of those strange people who actually really likes sales. Um, I, you know, did kind of the traditional track where I went to school, I got good grades, I went to college, I graduated with honors, and then I just didn't want to be in a building anymore. So I answered an ad in the newspaper for um, the dealership across the street from my campus, and they were looking for salespeople. (laughs) So I started selling cars. Awesome. And it was really fun. It was a great education. I was there for about six months. Actually, um, the the car dealership had been there for years. It was owned, but they had never tapped into the market across the street um, on my on my campus. They didn't have anyone from um, the university that I attended buying cars from them, and they couldn't figure out you know why they weren't able to ever kind of crack that market. And then one day, um, a university professor, he was a history professor, came over to the dealership with a letter. He had typed out a letter and wanted like, um, he wanted to lease a vehicle. He wanted a sports car and it was a Chevy dealership. So that would naturally be a Corvette. And he had all the specs that he wanted and the payment amount and everything. He had everything that he wanted all typed out in detail. Not a single salesperson wanted to touch that letter. 
And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like he wants to lease a Corvette. Do you know the commission on this? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just looking at them like, what is wrong with you? So I took the letter. I typed out a letter in response. I went across the street to the campus. I put it in his mailbox. And then I ended up leasing the Corvette to this guy. (laughs) Wow. And so what that taught me is um, so often we're just not willing to speak the same language as the person who's wanting to buy from us. So when I worked my very first job where they took out taxes was Sonic Drive-In. And actually, um, I ended up becoming the Sonic National Car Hop of the Year. They ran this competition for a spokesperson and you had to um, write a couple essays and do a couple interviews and um, my store manager said, you know, the only reason you ever ask off work is for speech competitions or writing competitions. And Sonic is offering um, scholarship money and a national television commercial appearance to someone who works at a drive-in as a car hop, um, as their national car hop of the year. All you have to do is write these essays and, you know, do a recorded interview. And so um, there were like 13,000 people who, um, you know, uh, submitted on this contest. And, um, they broke it down into regions. There were 13 different regions. And then we went through a series of different interviews. And finally it got down to the national competition where there were six of us. And oddly enough, <laughs> like there were women that are, you know, girls, we were teenage girls working at Sonic, but they were all flown in from their respective States and they were brought in in limousines to the hotel. And I lived an hour and a half away from the hotel and the nearest airport was like 20 minutes from the hotel. So we drove in in my mom's geo prism. <laughs> so humble beginnings. <laughs> but I ended up winning this competition and getting to um, travel the country for a year as um, a high school student going into college and learned very quickly what the industry looked like in terms of um, advertising and, you know, tactics and uh, strategies and, and the way that even big brands sell their products. And I was fascinated by it and I love it and I love people. So um, I put myself through college with scholarship money and, um, and I worked, uh, oh, scholarship money, writing stories. I wrote stories and um, won scholarships from the stories that I wrote. So I had a writing scholarship and then I had a performance scholarship and an academic scholarship. And I also worked at, um, at the mall in a clothing store for men. And, you know, these guys would come in and they would look for something to wear that night. And I would tell them, you know, like, this looks great on you or "Eh, maybe not so much or let's try something else. And I love it. I love people. I love all different kinds of people. And I love helping them find the things that that they want. People who are looking to buy something, um, they're on a hunt. They're on a search. They're seekers. And so if you have the thing that they're looking for, um, you have to figure out a reason why they're not just going to pass you up and go on to the next thing. And so um, what I wanted to share with your listeners was something that happened very recently. I have a friend who's a real estate agent and she was selling a house for me. So um, (laughs) after, um, after my divorce, which was final a year ago, um, my landlady without any notice whatsoever, put a sign in my yard saying that my house was for sale. So um, I call my girlfriend who's a real estate agent. I'm like, okay, so I have this little rental house and my renters have moved out and I haven't found new renters, but it's 
it's like move in ready. So can we just put that on the market? So I have some money to buy a house because I got to move. <laughs> oh goodness. So we ended up putting it on the market and she had this great strategy for it. Um, you know, creating scarcity and urgency, um, and then wrapping a story around it. So we positioned it as, you know, just a couple miles from downtown Nashville. It's cute. It's, you know, in great shape and it's under $200,000, which is almost impossible to find in Nashville, which is like the it city right now. So our hook was under 200 close to downtown Nashville. It was like cute and close to downtown and under $200. Like what? <laughs> and so that grabbed attention. And then, um, you know, it's just like your standard, three bedroom, two bath. It was a two story house, a little wraparound porch, super, super cute. But, um, she said, because the neighborhood is kind of patchy because that's the way Nashville is on one street, you've got all these great houses on the next street. You've got like some sketchy houses. And, um, she said, people can't believe that you like raised kids in this house. And I said, well, let's tell the story. So she whips out her iPad and in one take, I welcome people to the house. I'm like, hey, welcome to, you know, the name of the house, the street. Um, walked them around the yard, took them inside, talked about the neighbors and how friendly they are, and then told the stories of how when I first moved in, the neighbor across the street came over and said, um, you are welcome. You are welcome. This is a quiet neighborhood, except on the 4th of July on my birthday, but you are welcome to come over and have some hot water cornbread and some ribs. And when she brought ribs to me one day, like in some aluminum foil that were like melting off the bone, I was like in heaven. <laughs> I thought there is no way I could have ever imagined this being my experience in this little house. So I shared that story. I shared the story of giving birth in the home. I had a home birth with my middle daughter. I prayed for the neighborhood for years and um, I ended up getting teary at the end of the video and just said, you know, I, I would really love for someone to come into this home, treat it as a home, love it well, love the neighbors and just really enjoy um, the house the way that I enjoyed it, you know, when I was raising small children. And she sent that video to every single person who came to see the house. She listed the house on Thursday. We said that we would accept offers through Tuesday afternoon. We would review all of the offers and we would accept the highest and best offer by um, a certain time on Tuesday afternoon. We sent that video out and we ended up getting 13 offers. Every single one of them was above asking price, except for one. And people sent us videos of themselves. They sent us personal letters. They hand wrote letters and sent screenshots or, you know, pictures of their letters and pictures of their dogs. Like, please let us buy your house. We love it. We, you know, we love the history. We love all, you know, on and on and on. And it, she was blown away because she had never seen anything like that before. So then she says, so can you do this with a house that's not your own? I'm like, like tell the stories. And I'm like, as soon as, as long as I can interview the people who own it and I can get some stories from the house, then yeah, absolutely. So she had a two and a half million dollar home that she was getting ready to list. And she was afraid that it was going to just sit on the market because there was not a single home in that area on that street that had sold for more than, um, I think it was 2.1 million and they wanted like 2.4 million. And she was telling them this house has not been updated in 20 years. It doesn't have any of the, you know, the green, um, Oh, what is it called when they, you know, everything is like, 
Um, like energy efficient. Yes. Yes. It didn't have any of that. No modern updates at all. So you walk in and you basically like step back to <laughs> 20 years ago with all the decor and everything. And so um, it was a beautiful home. You know, it was historic and I could see the appeal, but she was looking at what other people were buying and it, people just weren't buying a home like this for that price point. So what we did is um, I interviewed the homeowners and I wrote out um, a script that not only gave a tour of the home, but also talked about the luminary nights and the progressive dinners and the camps in the backyard with the pool and all of the things that um, the people who are looking at the home could envision. So there's, there's a lot to be said for casting vision for what some, you know, what someone wants. So if they can imagine themselves entertaining, um, you know, going from house to house with these progressive dinners that elevates their status, it brings community. Um, she sent this video to, um, actually, you know what? It was even before that. So she listed it only with her organization, only with the agents. It did not go public. So no one could see it online except for the agents. And she did what's called a whisper campaign. And it's, you know, coming soon. You're welcome to bring people in to see it, but just know we're still doing, you know, some updates. We're still getting pictures and whatever. Um, so she had someone come see it. And the woman said, I absolutely love this home. Could I take a quick video and send it, you know, to my dad? And she said, um, or maybe it was her husband. She was there with her mom and they wanted her dad and her husband to see it. So my friend who's the agent said, um, we're actually having a professional video produced and I can show you just a sneak peek of it right now, but I'll send you the link to it tonight. So she sent it to this woman who came to see the house. This woman's husband came like two days later. And when my agent friend said, you know, come on in, make yourself at home. He did. <laughs> he like went out on the back porch by the pool, took his lunch out there and spent like an hour <laughs> just wow. lunch and enjoying the yard. And, and she's, you know, kind of scratching her head, like what is going on here? Well, he was envisioning himself living there and having the kids in the pool and enjoying the neighbors with the progressive dinners and then the luminary nights where everyone comes together and they've got these beautiful candle lit streets and you know everybody bakes cookies and they have carols and like he was envisioning all of it because we had painted that picture for him through the video they ended up making a full price as is offer on the house before the house ever hit the market that's insane. Right? And that No one had ever sold a house for that much money in that neighborhood. The house hadn't been updated. She thought for sure this house is going to sit. She kept talking to them about the price. And, you know, because I've taken a deep dive into marketing, I was like, you know what? I just don't think that price matters as much. If it will appraise for that much, I think that if you, if you wrap the house in a story and you, you cast the vision for what life will be like for them there, I think that they'll pay whatever price you put on it. And that's exactly what happened. I love it. That's incredible. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. <laughs> when you are telling, so you do, you know, you obviously use story selling in more than just helping your realtor friend. So what, <laughs> what else do you do with it? Oh my goodness. I love helping small business owners 
um, attract their ideal customer and take their businesses from, you know, just a little brick and mortar to something that's online and then helping them create stories around what they're doing. So for example, um, there's a business here in Nashville that is the very first dog daycare that offers group daycare. So it's essentially like taking your kid to daycare and they get to play with other kids and there's all this constant supervision because, you know, kids get in fights and um, they group the dogs by size and temperament. And she's been around for like, oh my gosh, 15 years. She's the original group daycare for Nashville, but she didn't exist online. Like you could type in, you know, the um, dog daycare or dog boarding and she just wouldn't pop up. So what we started doing is, um, you know, some SEO and, um, you know, just some basic like social media marketing, but being able to tell the stories of the people who had brought their dogs to her, um, how there was one woman, for example, who needed to board for a, an extensive period of time. And then she went um, to another country and then she came back. And then the, the owner of the shop gets all teary because she has fallen in love with this woman's dog. And she wanted a video of when they reconnected if she wasn't there, because, you know, it's just like having, um, I say just like, it's not just like, but it's similar to um, when a soldier goes off, you know, to another country and then is reunited with his kids. And then the kids, you know, you see videos of them just falling apart because the, the reconciliation and the reuniting is just so, I'm actually getting teared up right now. <laughs> it's just so beautiful. And so when you can just tell a story of um, the beauty of human connection, it lodges in the, the mind of the consumer, the person who's looking for whatever service you provide, and then they make this emotional connection with you that is not made somewhere else. And then, you know, you potentially have a client for life. Um, I, had, I just thought of another one as I was talking. Um, I am a huge advocate for children's theater. Again, we tell stories. We tell other people's stories. And when you can put yourself in the position of, someone else. You can imagine, you can have empathy and compassion. Um, it just makes the world a better place. It just does. So this particular children's theater, um, I went to the director after watching a handful of kids audition and I, I watched one of her shows and one of my kids was in one of her shows. And I said, okay, how do you attract this caliber of actor. These are kids. This is children's theater. And I have friends who are single, who don't have kids, who want to come see these shows because they're so powerful. And the kids like raise the bar. They're incredible. And then I'm watching them in between shows interact with each other and they're kind and they're helpful and they're fun and they're having a great time and they're working really hard. And she shared a story with me. And I'll never forget it. And I will tell it again and again and again. Um, but she said, I, um, first she said, like, I tell a hard line. <laughs> you know, she has certain expectations and she expects the kids to rise up to them. Um, and then they raise the bar. But she said, um, she does not tolerate when kids bully each other or they jockey for competition or they're just unkind or mean. Um, at the beginning of every rehearsal, she has what's called love circle, or at the end of every rehearsal, she has what's called love circle. They give their love to each other. 
So they sit in a circle and they share with each other, you know, Hey, I give my love to, you know, Jake. Um, he totally rocked that scene today. And, uh, I really like his shoes. <laughs> you know, it's just cute and fun and it, it makes them all feel really good. So they all like, they do this love circle thing. And she said she had one kid who, um, he just kept kind of puffing himself up and the other kids just didn't feel good around him. And she watched for a little bit. She's like, he's crazy talented, but I just, I can't have um, attitude among the kids. And so she took him aside and, and I'll just call him Jake. And uh, she said, you know, Jake, I love you. You're crazy talented. I would love for you to be part of the show, but the way that you treat the other kids, it's just not going to work. And so I'm going to have to pull you from the program and, um, and replace you. And I'm really sorry because that's the last thing in the world that I want to do. So fast forward to opening night, Jake shows up and she's thinking, oh my gosh, like he's going to sabotage something. You know, he's in pain, he's hurting. He got cut from the, you know, cut from the herd. And, uh, what happened was he wrote a letter of apology to her and to every other kid in that show and went to her personally and said, you know, you're right. Um, I'm sorry. And I would love another chance. So the next show that came along, he auditioned, she cast him and she said, you would never guess which one of these kids is Jake. That's awesome. Isn't it? So when I tell that story to people who are interested in a theater program, they're hooked, you know, like who doesn't want <laughs> that kind of director, that kind of experience, that kind of love, then, you know, so there are so many different children's theaters in Nashville. You could just, you know, it's kind of like churches, like you could throw a rock and hit one. <laughs> <laughs> They're all over the place. But what makes the theater bug special, what makes it different are experiences like that. And you don't know about them unless you tell the story and unless you have advocates who are telling stories for you. But if you don't tell the story, they can't tell the story and you won't have that organic growth that can happen um, just by, you know, touching somebody's emotions and, and, essentially giving them the vision for what their life could be like if they take that path. So is there any sort of formula you follow or do you just really, when you're crafting these stories for people you're working with, do you just, I mean, it, it seems like it comes pretty naturally to you, but for those, I'm, I don't feel like I'm a very good storyteller. Um, is there a, like a formula, like these things you need to include um, and like maybe a flow of how to tell a story? Um, there are formulas and there are companies that offer templates. I know that um, in the book, Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson, you know, he offers a formula for how to tell a great origin story. If you look at big brands um, that are doing exceptionally well, um, that are not, uh, VC backed or, um, you know, I'm thinking of like Jamie Cross, for example, who has the MIG soap company. Um, when she began to tell her story of getting a dream about, 
um, well, even before that, praying that she could have a billion dollar idea and then dreaming about pouring oils and being like a, a master herbalist and then taking the steps toward learning the process and then creating something that um, she absolutely loved and then took it to farmer's markets and then found that people there loved it and came back for more. And so she just kept testing and tweaking. And so I could imagine her in all of these different steps. And so she's got a great product. It smells good and it feels good on your skin and it's good for you. But what sold me and, you know, countless other people so that now she has a multi-million dollar business selling soap <laughs> and lotion um, is the story that's attached to how um, how she started and um, and what what it took for her to get to that place. So you host your podcast, um, Rise and Climb, and you have created this podcast to basically get stories out of people, right? Exactly. Yeah. I'm a story junkie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. So like it would be a good, I mean, you've already told us several stories just talking with you right now and I'm like hooked. I want to know, like, I want to hear you tell more stories just because I love listening to how you're telling them. And I think I could learn a lot from just listening to you tell stories. Um, and if, if anyone else is listening and feeling that same way, like go check out Lori's podcast, Rise and Climb, because there's stories on there. Um, you're having other people tell their stories, but I uh, think that you're good at extracting stories out of people. Yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah. And that sometimes people need that little bit of help. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the, the family who owned the two and a half million dollar house, they didn't know how to tell their story. And they were surprised at all the questions that I was asking to draw out the story. And so, yeah, I would definitely agree. If you are not good at telling your story, have someone interview you and have them extract that story from you. Ideally, someone who's a writer, you know, find a good copywriter, find a good blogger, find, you know, a, a writing teacher. Like I, um, I have a degree in writing. I love writing and I love stories. Um, but you can easily find people who tell stories well, have that person interview you and then, you know, massage the story so that um, there's a clear beginning, middle and end. There's a hook. There's um, a call to action at the end if you're trying to sell something. And then in the middle, just really make sure that it touches the emotions. If you get choked up telling your story, that's when you know you've hit gold. Perfect. Yeah. I, and that comes back to, you know, when, when we're, we're being the face of our business and we're doing business online, you know, it's most of us know, like we're told to be authentic and be genuine. And that comes down. I mean, how do you do that? You tell stories about yourself and what you're going through. So it, it all kind of comes back together. Yep. Absolutely. You're right. A hundred percent. So Lori, what, what are you working toward right now? So, um, because I love sales and I love people and I love a good product and I'm, you know, I'm a huge cheerleader for anyone who's doing something with excellence. Um, I actually have a meeting tonight to, um, possibly end up being a high, uh, a high ticket closer for someone that, um, I just really admire. 
And um, so I can just add that to the mix, you know, of I do acting and I do copywriting and I create these like sales videos and I do the podcast and I, I love the variety. I love to juggle. And so, um, yeah, that, uh, that's my next step. Is that's really exciting. I, I hope that, closer. yeah, that, <laughs> that sounds really awesome. And you would be really good at it. And it seems like, like to you, it may feel like you're doing all these different things, but they're all based off of the same skill that you have and that you're good at. And that is, well, two skills that is, uh, talking to people and communicating with people. And really that's it. It's communicating with people, but like the story yeah. Um, storytelling as well, which is still just communicating with people. So they, they're all different things, but they all kind of go together. So it, it's, it works for you. Yeah. Yeah, that it is. That's the common thread. So when I went to college, I was like, well, I guess I'll major in communications. You know, when I went to high school, I said, oh, wow, you have speech one, speech two, drama one, drama two. Well, I'm going to take them all. <laughs> and they're like, well, you only have to take. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, this is my thing. <laughs> this is what I love to do. So I was the only freshman in speech one because nobody wants to take speech one. <laughs> and all these juniors in there that were required to take it. So yeah, it definitely, the common thread is absolutely writing and speaking, communications, telling stories. And, um, and everyone has a story to tell. Everyone does. And if you are able to extract that story in a compelling way, then you really probably, if you can make enough noise, if you can generate enough, you know, interest, if you can get enough eyes on your product or service, you're not going to have a problem selling because you're making that connection. And that's what we need. It's what we're starving for. Um, something that came up recently that I feel like is really important to say is um, Mother Teresa, who you know served uh, selflessly in India for years and years and years among the the um, outcasts and diseased and broken people, said that in America. Our disease, I'm going to ask you, do you know what it is? Do you know what our disease is in America that's killing us? I don't know where you're going with this, but I have a few ideas. <laughs> I would say there's a lot of different things. Um, like the first thing that came to my mind was like consumerism, but that's probably not where you're going with this. That's a symptom. That's a symptom. So she said that the disease among the Western nations is loneliness. We are lonely and we are isolated. So even though we have all the social media and all of these ways to connect, our hearts cry it is for connection. And we're medicating loneliness. We're medicating it with consumerism. We're medicating it with drugs. We're medicating it with um, you know, risky sex and all sorts of different um, ways to try to fill that void. And that's one of the reasons that I love stories and I love the power of story is because it connects us. And when we're connected, then we don't have the symptoms that we try to medicate and we live these happy, healthy, thriving lives. And that's why I created the, the podcast, Rise and Climb, um, is to extract those stories and help people feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. You know, there are people who are suffering from the same things I'm suffering from. There are people who are on the same path that I'm on, the same trajectory. Um, 
I don't want to take the, you know, the standard road. I want to take the road less traveled, but I don't know how, and I don't know anyone else who's doing it. And, you know, we're sharing those stories. And the thing that got me through the year and a half almost of going through a divorce and then the last year of, you know, grieving the loss of um, a good friend that I lost to cancer and lost my grandmother. I, um, you know, the breakdown of my marriage, I lost my home. There was a lot of loss over this last year. And what kept me alive, what kept me thriving, what kept me putting one foot in front of the other was listening to other people's stories. And so I, I can't put enough value on that, not just for selling products and services, which, you know, it sounds like, it's not much, but it's someone's livelihood. It, when we grow businesses, we're growing the potential for more connection and life and freedom. And um, we have better relationships and better marriages and you know better relationships with our kids and we can do more and we can be there for them. So um, I don't take it lightly. I really don't take it lightly. I love sales. I love small businesses. I love people and I love stories. And I love that you invited me on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad that you've been able to talk with us today. Um, And I love hearing your stories. So I really encourage everyone to go listen to Lori. Lori, where else can people connect with you besides your podcast, Rise and Climb? Yeah. um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I'm sort of on Instagram, (laughs) (laughs) testing the waters there. Um, You can connect with me personally, obviously, you know, listen to the podcast and um, I would love to connect. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to this episode of Amplify Your Impact. If you're loving what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review to help others like you discover the show. Do you have a course or info product that you're trying to get out into the world and make an impact, but you're struggling to figure out how to do that? I know that it can be hard and that's why I want to get on a free call with you. So you can tell me your goals, what you're trying to accomplish, what message you're trying to get out there into the world and see if I can help you come up with a plan and really figure out how to sell what you have to offer to truly amplify your impact and empower others. To jump on that call with me, go to susanleonardson.com forward slash discover.